Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that has been valued by me at $45 billion. And what gives you the authority to do that? Well, what gives the authority any of them to value anything at that much? It's all all made up. It's all fake money. It means nothing. Can't argue with that. What are we doing this week? Are we rocking things up? Changing things? No, no, we're not. I'm still James. You're still Dan. This week we're going to talk about what we've been watching. Real news, some some news, sad news that's just broken within the last 15 minutes of starting to record. And our main review is, by popular demand, the well-reviewed sleeper hit, Barbarian. Another horror. Yeah. Mm, Halloween's been and gone, but horror won't ever die. It's always here. Every week, courtesy of me, normally, but you're joining me on the journey. But before we dig in to the formalities, how are you? You're rocking a new haircut. Yeah, I shaved my head because I had a flu. I had a headache that wouldn't go away. My hair was pulling on my scalp and I just felt I need I need to relieve this 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 tension that's on my scalp and I need to sleep because I've not I've not washed my hair for like nine days. So I went for it. And the thing, let me tell you something. Let me tell you. When you have a flu these days, you have to constantly insist that it's not COVID to people, which is a new experience. And this way, well, you've got to, you might, you might test positive in another six months and then it actually was COVID. No, it, it's, it's just the flu. Good old fashioned flu from the olden days. It's a bit of a weird scenario, that as well, isn't it? Because not to discount anyone who's had horrific circumstances through COVID, of which there have been millions, but it is kind of a, you and I, I think we've both had it as well as many millions of other people. And it is like another flu, isn't it? Yeah. So it's weird that flu is accepted in the office, really. Yeah. Considering. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get into all that. Um, how are you then? How are you? What's up with you? I'm not, I'm not great. Gotta be honest, um, haven't slept for nearly two weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, th- there's a story to this. So, obviously, I- I'm thinly um, insinuated that um, my partner had a child the other week, it's been uh, challenging. And then we get one night where we're like, Let- Let's, we've got a regime, we're gonna go to bed at these times, we're gonna do this, you're gonna do that, blah 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 blah. blah. And then pick my uh, eldest up from nursery and he's being a bit not himself. His arm's a bit floppy. He's crying all the time. He won't literally move his arm a muscle. And took him into hospital to find out that he's dislocated his elbow at nursery. You you tell me, and, and we had a bit of a rant the other week offline, which we alluded to about the NHS and how appalling it is. You've got a three-year-old who's in distress with a suspected broken arm. How long do you think you have to wait to find out in children's any what's happened? Go Ooh. on, have a stab at it. Oh, So th- did you take him in physically? Yes, we did, yeah. I think, based on uh, my experience of triage and things like that, five hours. Okay. Loaded question, because we both have experience of how shambolic it is. So you were already going to aim high, but it was seven and a half hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
So, so, so you walk, you walked in, and you say, "These are my details. This is this is the situation I've got." And they say, "Right, have a seat." And it was seven and a half hours for the next person to come over to you and say, "What's up?" I, I'll I'll be reasonable. So get in within an hour and a half. Nurse triage, see him, and just do some basic tests. What's his pulse? Blah blah blah. Oh, his arms looking red. And then from that point onwards, another six hours to get to a doctor who let let's be honest. So he he reset his arm without doing an X-ray. We heard from multiple people in the waiting room who were like, I've been here. Bear in mind we were in at like six o'clock in the evening. They were saying, We've been here since eleven o'clock this morning. And then another guy saying, Oh, we had an X-ray two and a half hours ago. I'm just waiting for the results. So we were thinking he's going to have to have an X-ray, then it's going to be two and a half hours the results. So thank heavens for the doctor who just went, ah, I'll reset it. Boom, he's sorted. Yeah. But it's it's just it beggars belief. It beggars yeah. belief. Because when you go in A and E, there's a sign that says uh, I've seen the sign that says children's any. It's obviously a different hospital, but there is a sign that's like children's any, and I thought, oh well, that must mean that when you go in children's any, it's really quick because it's children. But if it can wait, like you will wait, so that he's he's not leaking any <laughs> any blood, he can breathe on his own. That's just, that's seven hours. That I wouldn't mind. I've said on the show before, like he's my my son's autistic. He's nonverbal, so. And they are known to not feel pain as much. So the fact that he is placid does not mean everything's all right. Yeah. It yeah. was just... Ugh. Moving on from NHS disaster stories, and this is going long into the general watch list, but you know how we always discuss Marvel? Yeah. Have you been sucked in by Marvel Snap? No. The YouTube ads are very aggressive. Very aggressive. And on Instagram, very aggressive. But no, I've not downloaded it. I would suggest, and me as a casual Marvel fan, give it a go. It is addictive. And in all the right ways, that they've made that game suitable for people. Like, it's monetary in a way. Like, you can buy upgrades and blah, blah, blah. But you really don't have to. It's a very, very well-designed game. And my missus hates Marvel. And she's seen me on it all the time. It's like, you need to get a life. It's sad. Come on. And I said, you you just play it. Play six games. Because I'll be honest, I played it like three times. And I went, yeah, not for me. Played it another three times. Hooked. And guess what? She hasn't stopped playing it since. Right. So. Okay. It's a card game of some kind. Yes, not even my sort of thing. But it is very, very well designed. Okay. I'll look into it. Okay. Anyway, we, we've wasted a lot of time on things that people do not tune in to listen to. Tune in's quite uh, outdated verbiage for this. But James, what have you been watching this week? I have watched in full. Am I Being Unreasonable? Which is a comedy thriller on the BBC. Have, have you heard of it? There was a slight nod there. We sat down one evening. We had nothing to watch. And I went, I've heard this is really good. And my partner said, I've watched it all. So I've not seen it. She has really liked it. What did you think? I really liked it as well. It's on the BBC and it's written by and starring Daisy May Cooper. And I've not seen her previous work, This Country. I've not seen it. So I was coming into this extremely fresh and clean. 
And what is it about? It's about Nick, a mum, and she's in an unsatisfying marriage. And she's grieving the loss of someone who appears to be a man she was having an affair with. And she's she's got a good relationship with her son. But then a woman, Jen, appears in her life and she feels like, oh, she's finally got a good friend to to hang out with in her depressing life. But mm, this friend seems to have something else going on, some kind of secret. Mm, okay. It is a comedy thriller, which is a weird combination, comedy thriller. At the start, it's full-on comedy, laugh out loud, just full comedy. It's comedy. But then... Oh, it suddenly, it's more serious. It gets a bit dark. Not dark, but just serious. And then, oh, it's, it's a comedy it's a comedy again. It's a comedy now. And it goes back and forth and you realise, well, I just realised, oh, this is just life. Life is like this. Life goes back and forth between the absurdly funny and genuinely sad and having sad memories, but also you're doing happy things and having a laugh at the same time that you're thinking about those things. That just, that's just what happens. The main character, played by Daisy May Cooper, is extremely likeable. I really liked this character. And I can imagine someone maybe watching this and thinking, she's despicable, she's selfish, she's awful. But she's so relatable. Daisy May Cooper, again, I've not seen her in anything like this before. Maybe it's just her shtick. But she's, like, vulgar and a character comes across as, as lazy and, and just doesn't like people. Like but, everyday folk on public transport. Yes, yes. Yeah. But is I think it maybe is just Daisy May Cooper's just presence is so is so likable and so funny. And the this the young son as well, played by Lenny Rush, who's a young young actor. Only thirteen. He's very funny as well, has excellent timing. And they're a nice comedy pair when they walk to school together. So am I being unreasonable? Six-part comedy thriller on the BBC. I enjoyed it very much. Very good. Daisy May Cooper representing our era of people. She's 36. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how old I am. I don't know how old I am. Am I 38? I feel like I'm 38. I think you're 37. Let's go with that. It's better. Anyway. <laughs> um Literally, the conversation between me and my partner was, oh, let's watch this. I've watched it. That was it. She said it was good, but you've you've convinced me that I feel like she missed like quite a lot of key information that would have brought me in. So I am I think I'm going to watch that. Yeah, Comedy watch thriller. Hmm, rare. Can I sideline for a second? Because we, your hair, right? You, listeners will not know this because it's a podcast. Your hair was never long, and then all of a sudden it was long, and now it's not. We've discussed it at the beginning. Was there any momentary, like, this is a big decision, or did you just think, no, it has to go? Like, I'm, I'm just, was this a big decision? Uh, I think I was a bit delirious from the flu and, the, and popping a temperature of 39.1. So I was thinking about it, but then when I got to Sunday, it was more just I was fed up. I'd had a headache for a week. I was I wanted to take steps to get rid of it, and I was I think I was already at the point of thinking, what am I doing with this hair? I'm not I'm not doing anything with it. So that why do I even have it? Get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. And debatable because you've had it for so long, 
But what what was the wife's reaction? She just said, no, 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 no. I, I text her an image of... <laughs> I sent a picture of my hair on the floor and she texts back saying, no, 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 no. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. She warmed to it. Yes. Fact check that after the podcast, <laughs> just to see if she has. Yeah. You might be delirious once again. James, anything else that you've been watching this week? The Peripheral on Amazon Prime, starring Chloe Grace Moretz. Now, I've looked it up on IMDb, and this is the number four program on the most popular TV shows. And what I did not realise looking at this is that The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, now that it's finished, it's quickly dropped down to number 10. It's number 10. Oh, you must be so happy. I'm so happy. And then... Up from 10, it goes Game of Thrones, Inside Man, Walking Dead, The Watcher, Andor, Peripheral, House of the Dragon, White Lotus, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. So House of the Dragon, also finished, still hanging on, top three. Says a lot. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, it's finished. No one cares. <laughs> still still top 10, it's still top 10, but then I'm not going to go through them all. But if you look past the top 10, it it, it quickly goes downhill like the, the shows. So, yeah, Rings of Power. Rubbish. Anyway, but it's been replaced now on Amazon Prime by The Peripheral. So there's another weekly release to watch on Amazon Prime instead. The Peripheral, based on the William Gibson novel of the same name, which I have not read. The only other William Gibson novel that I have read is... Roast you. You've never read anything for this podcast. Yeah. Neuromancer which is a, I don't know why I'm going into this, it's a cyberpunk classic. I read the whole book and I never at any point had any idea what was going on. <laughs> I was just reading the words on the page, but it all meant nothing. It meant nothing. I feel, So before you continue, I liked what I've seen of it. I've seen one episode, but you kind of described my journey of the first episode. Right. Was I didn't really... I, there's a lot going on, but I didn't really know what it was building up to. And obviously I'm not going to because I've not seen the rest. But what did you think? I like this a lot. It is in my wheelhouse, as you would say, like sci-fi, near future, cyberpunk. <clears throat> and it's quite similar to Westworld. It's a very sleek production. And Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy who were the Westworld creators, their executive producers, but it's actually created and some of it's like written and directed by Scott B. Smith, who's an author, who's a, an author of books. So it's a well-written show. And what it lacks, I think, is that it, there needs to be more personal stakes in what's going on. So, the, so it's about Chloe Grace Moretz near future going into this like simulation you have like extremely advanced VR headsets that people play. And Chloe Grace Moretz gets this new sim that she goes into. And it's the most realistic thing she's ever she's ever done. It's it's just so realistic, it blows her mind completely. And she and half the time is spent within this simulation, and half the time is spent in this n- near future world in like the 20, 30, 20, 30s or something. And it goes back and forth. And it's a mystery of why does she have this sim? What's really going on in? this sim who are these people like what's the what's the master plan behind all this so the the mechanics of the simulation and the technology and all the near future stuff 
that's all good. And there's world building and there's mystery around what's really happening and what, what are the motivations of these evil corporation people doing corporation things. So I'm really, really enjoying it. I like it a lot. But it needs more like relationship interactions. It needs more drama and just more feelings and emotion. Because Chloe Grace Moretz's character is good and she gives it like feeling and energy, like she raises the material up. But every other character, and especially her brother, they're just there. They don't really have much going on internally, it seems. They're just these people just walking around doing stuff. The brother is is so is such a generic character. It annoys me how generic he is. Because <laughs> every scene he's in with Colourist Rats, it's just a waste because he's just being extremely generic. Whereas she's actually bringing quite a lot to her character. But because the genre, I do like it. And each week that it's come out in the past four or five weeks, I have been I've been sure to, to watch it as soon as possible every Friday because it's good. Okay. So that's the peripheral, yeah. yeah. I have seen it, but I couldn't remember the uh, um <clears throat> interesting point that you raised that about the relationship dynamics because I didn't get a sense of any of that from the first episode, but I thought it's his first episode. They're doing build up, it's fine, not to be expected. Yeah. expand upon that but I, I thought they would have done that within that family dynamic with the brother, sister, mother uh, but it doesn't sound like they have. They, they do, it's there it's it's just not, there's not a lot of it's it. weak Yeah, and as for what the hell's going on, it does deliver information quite quickly Oh, that's good. About who's who, when is all this going on bit of background about how the world got to this point, what this new amazing mind-blowing simulation, what it actually is. Like that it delivers information quite quickly on that front. Yeah. Which is good. Um and I don't know because I didn't read anything but the headline. Um but there's been quite a few scathing reviews of this mixed with overwhelming audience reception. And I don't know if they've seen the whole thing from a critical standpoint, or they've just watched episode one and gone, nah, it's rubbish. Right. Um, but I liked what I saw, and I will be sure to check it out. James, I would normally say anything else, but have you watched The White Lotus? The White Lotus? No, I do. I, I will. I will watch it. I will watch it. But I know I have not watched it. I've not seen it. Sorry. It's fine. We'll reserve my review to another week, but enjoying it. I am enjoying it so far. That's good. Brucey bonus content. I'll give you one sentence. FIFA Uncovered on Netflix. Please watch it. Oh my God. Not surprising, but what a bunch, what a lot of scum they all are. <laughs> Everyone involved in the business of football is subhuman scum, just like Stuart Lee says. Awful, awful. FIFA Uncovered on Netflix. Just watch that before you, before you go into the World Cup next week. I was tempted. I was very tempted. Um, and the only thing that put me off, weirdly, was its 12A rating. I was like, it's not, not strong enough for me. Um, which is not a good outlook. I don't know why I thought that. So thank you for that. I will watch it. Daniel, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this. Um, weird, the Al Yankovic story. So, th this is a, a bizarre beast of a film. 
in my eyes. So, James, are you familiar with Roku? No. Are they no? So it, it, it's basically an Amazon Fire Stick. That's what it is. They've got their own platform, but it's far inferior to Amazon. And I didn't know. I knew of this film. I think just just weirdly in the ether, just heard something about it. Weird Al Yankovic, the film. It exists. This is exclusive to the Roku platform. So for anyone who is a dedicated listener, you might remember Quibi, which we slated. Roku bought all of Quibi's content when it folded and just completely disappeared. Apart from that, I don't know anything that Roku is famous for, but it is actually a good product. I have one. I do have one. I used it sporadically and then when you've got a ps4 it works in your bedroom you don't need it it's fine this is a film exclusive to roku and it is as i say about weird al yankovic if you're saying who's weird al yankovic i don't know if this resonates with you james but i only know of him through do you remember napster and kazaa yeah the downloading peer-to-peer websites it kind of skyrocketed like at the early 2000s and you had, like, the song Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. They had Amish Paradise, or there was a, um, what are they called? What are they called? Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Who were there? I don't know. Can't remember. Anyway, he's done numerous musical parodies. Eat It. He's done Eat It as well. That's another famous one. Yes, the parody of the Michael Jackson song, Beat It. So this is a autobiographical tale of sorts of Weird Al Yankovic, which I've said for my entire lifetime of knowing him, Weird Al Yankovic, not right. He rose to fame in the 80s, and then from what I'm saying, which might be inaccurate, but it's true to me, had a bit of a resurgence in the 2000s for his parodies, well-known songs. So it says it's a biopic. It's It's not really... It's true to Weird Al, the artist, in a way, in that it's a parody of his life and it's a send-up of films like Bohemian Rhapsody and any other musical biopic you've ever seen. So if you want a really close comparison to what this is, it's it's pretty much Warcard, the Dewey Cox story, which is one of my all-time favourite comedies. And I'm sure that there's nuggets of truth within this, but for the most part, it's a stupidly ridiculous story of how Weird Al had an affair with Madonna, brought down Pablo Escobar, and was ripped off by Michael Jackson. So I I didn't intend to watch all of this in one sitting, but it did keep me glued, so that that is a good thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm a bit perplexed by... Not the positivity around the film, but it's it's like it's fun and there's some funny moments, but it it leans too much on the like let's be ridiculous side of things and like over the top, and it doesn't have the good jokes to back it up like something like Walk Hard did. So I, I feel like it could have been an absolutely amazing film, but it just didn't hit those heights for me. But without ignoring that. It is a harmless bit of entertainment that really did breeze by. And it it was one that I was like, oh, I actually enjoyed that. I did enjoy that. I just knew it could be better. And another plus point for me, Daniel Radcliffe, who 
I think a lot of people thought this, but I, I despised him for a, a very, very long time because I thought, you've got Harry Potter because your parents are producers. They've sold you on. Nepotism at his finest. You bastard. But he's really good in this. And I, I saw him in something a few years ago called The Jungle, where it's like a survival story. That's an autobiographical tale as well. He's really good in that. And in this, he really, really commits. And I think even though it's it's quite well documented, every time he opens his mouth and he's singing, it's weird, Al. And for a lot of people who are listening to this, I'm a bit like, you think, I don't know who you're talking about, weird, Al. Just just look it up on Spotify. You'll, you'll know who I mean. And I'm quite ashamed that I had reverence for him at one point. But anyway, um, he's so committed in this. I think he's very good and he's actually got range. From the things that I've seen him in now, I take back my negative opinion of Daniel Radcliffe. So if you've got a Roku device or you know how to find your way around this, I think this is still, despite his flaws, worth a watch. And I understand now, thinking about it, some of the positive reception. I think this is a bit of a, you know, everything's doom and gloom. I think this is a bit of a beacon of light amidst all the tragedy where everyone's like, oh, just happy to watch something stupid for a change. Okay. Sold you on that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not, not, I don't, not, I'm not urgently going to watch it, but I think I will watch it. What else have you been watching? The Devil's Hour, the new Amazon Prime series that literally nobody's talking about. Have you, do you know anyone who's watched this? Have you watched this? No, I haven't watched it, but as just to go back to the IMDb, most popular TV list. It it has leapt up into the number eleven spot. Oh right, Weird, weirdly for no one's benefit other than my own. How many reviews does it have now? Because when it came out and the week after, and maybe the week after that, it had like one thousand views, and I thought no one's watching this. It has more ratings. Six, it's got six thousand ratings. Okay, jumped up, jumped up a this bit. Is, this has been advertised on the side of buses in Manchester for, for quite a while. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in, I want to know what you think. So this dropped around Halloween time, which is quite fitting because it's got a suitably eerie premise. And IMDb would tell you it's about a woman who wakes up every night at exactly 3.33am in the so-called Devil's Hour. And it is that, but the synopsis doesn't give too much away so to dig into more of the specifics said woman lucy played by jessica Wren, she's a social worker she's dealing with a challenging professional life dealing with general british scum society we've covered it already <clears throat> and that is exasperated by a personal life in which she's struggling to connect with the son who's really withdrawn he's lacking emotion and he's also a bit of a creepy morpho at times. And she makes things even worse for herself by sleeping with her ex-husband, who is the father's child, and he wants nothing to do with him. So it's all a bit of a mess. And alongside that, she is haunted by these really incoherent visions on a nightly basis and somehow ends up being drawn into an elusive serial killer investigation. And the serial killer is played by a swearing juggernaut, Peter Capaldi, but he doesn't swear in this. So 
some of that might sound a bit like, oh, I've seen all that before. And on the face of it, you would be correct. You have seen it all before. But I, th- I think there's actually quite a lot of attention and care put into this in terms of making you really feel for the characters and getting drawn in. I was anyway, Nat. There's kind of a personal reason why I won't go into it because uh, I'm just not. Um, but I I warm to this lead character of Lucy, much like you said, with Christ. I've forgotten the name of it, the BBC thing. Am I being unreasonable? Yes. Um, so she she's delightful. She's very charming and similar to what you said. She's relatable. And it's like you get these scenes where even though her son's really hard to communicate with, she's really making the effort. Like she is singing the top of her voice in the car. He's just not bothered. She's making jokes. He's not bothered. But it's just it just feels very, very human. And I think the lengths that they went to within this program to do that, it, it really succeeds and it made me care more about the storyline and the characters and it's not all doom and gloom like even from what what i've described you would not imagine this to be a jolly affair but it actually does find moments of humor too so yeah it's 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 a police procedural as well but that's kind of like tacked on not not in a like abrasive like why have you done this sort of way it's just not the concern it's more about Lucy and her son trying to find out why they're being drawn into these serial killings that are going on. And even that police aspect, even though it features less, you've got a lead detective who walks into a crime scene and he like just puts his earphones in and he's listening to jolly music, but it's just to distract from what is before him. So that is all I'm going to say because this goes into some very strange directions which i did not foresee and i think you uncovering it will will be more interesting um i i really enjoyed this i just thought it was a very interesting take on a a very well-worn genre so uh yeah doesn't outstay its welcome as well six episodes so not a huge commitment the devil's hour i was going to watch this simply because of peter capaldi and if you're saying that it's worth watching, then I'll that makes it even more definite that I'll watch it. Good, good. And only six episodes, that's that's surprising, but good. Yeah. You're in, you're out. Not even a day's work. Yep. Could even watch it one point two five speed. No, 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 James, no. Do you in fact while we're here, because I think these little anecdotes, they help they help the podcast. They need to know who we are. Do you want to tell everyone what you did with Andor? The thing yep. that I said, James, you will love this. Please watch it. Tell people, how did you experience this? Right. I I read that the series was structured in, in three episode arcs, which meant that episodes three, six, and nine are the sort of the resolutions to those arcs. So what I did is I just watched episode three and episode six. And when I get around to it, I will watch episode nine. <laughs> and the previously on is enough. It provides enough context for episode one and two and episode four and five. It was fine. 
And I think for episode six, I did stop it and think, hang on, let me just skim Wikipedia um, just to get a, just a little bit more context and then watch it. Because you know what? It's Andor. I'm not doing 12 hours on, on him. It's He's not worth it. It's You know, it's not that good. Even positive reviews were saying, yes, episode one and two, nothing happens. Could have been done in 10 minutes. So I just thought, I'll put that to the test. I won't even watch them. Right. Do, do you know what? Right now, I'm not accusing you of this, but next week or next episode, we're doing a conflict of interest because I feel like even though we've agreed, and I, I, I do see where you're coming from, you're subscribing to this. It's not worth my time. Give me bite size. And we've yeah. talked about this before where people are like, I don't have the attention span for a full episode anymore. I just don't. I feel like you've been dragged down by it, James. I feel like you've succumbed yeah. to the misery of it because it is so good. I can't really attest to it because I'm not that big Star Wars fan, but I, I feel like if you'd watched this from beginning to end, you would have a completely different opinion on Andor. And I know that it's not, it's not a well-beloved character or anything, but this is the finest Star Wars has been. In years, and that's coming from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, so I actually ignore everything that I've said. Uh, but let's have a conversation about it next episode. Okay. Right, let's go into real news. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. Moments before we started recording, look at the BBC News website. And the news came up. Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy dies at age 66. And he was the voice of Batman in Batman the Animated Series in the 1990s. Which, for people of our generation, that was a major introduction to Batman. And that Batman design and the Kevin Conroy voice is as much a Batman as, say, Val Kilmer or Christian Bale. So, this is a sad loss. Yeah, sad times. Do you know if he voiced the games? Yes, I feel like he, he did. He did. The Arkham Knight, Arkham City games. The Arkham yeah. Trilogy, he did those as well. Uh, he was a good fit. He was a good fit. That is sad. But there you go. I wasn't a massive fan. Not, I hadn't seen it to say whether I would be a fan, but... Batman Mask of the Phantasm was one of my favourite animated films for a very long time. Yeah. I absolutely loved that. Love that film. It's it is brilliant. It's brilliant. If you look at a if you look at many Batman movies ranked lists, any list should include Batman Mask of the Phantasm somewhere among the yeah. live action films. It's it's great. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. This is off trend now because it's it's the the new cycle has moved on. But what do you think about Henry Cavill leaving The Witcher? So I'll, I'll confess, I've I've heard sporadic bits and pieces about this. So first it was, oh, it's not kind of coinciding with my timeline of other projects because I've got Superman. Bye bye Witcher, and then I hear that there's some creative differences and that's actually why he's left. So I don't know what to think, but yes, Henry Cavill is the Witcher no more. 
that's going to Liam Hemsworth, which will be a weird thing to adjust to if you've stayed up to date with The Witcher. I have not because I found season one so convoluted in its timeline. And because of that, I really don't care about this news. I was never going to watch it. But I am surprised on the Superman front because I thought there would be this, let's just start again. We discussed the other week, James Gunn, he's in charge of DC now. I thought he was going to try and right the wrongs and redo everything that had been uh, poorly executed before it. But it seems that they're continuing something here. And that kind of has me a bit, it has my expectations dampened in terms of what I thought was going to happen. I'm not saying Henry Cavill was bad. He was all right. He was just in very, very poor films. But why are they sticking with this? I, 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 I don't know. What's your What's your impression? I think it's because Henry Cavill, everyone likes him as Superman. It's just he hasn't been in a good film as Superman. Mm. So it's it's giving it give. We, we need they want to give the world a good Henry Cavill Superman film because we need the the world needs one and he yeah. he he deserves to be in one because he is good in the role. I too don't I I haven't watched the Witcher series two. I'm not going to watch season three, which is going to be Cavill's last. And there's no way in hell I'm going to watch season four if he's not even in it because he was the only only good thing in it. And yes, season one was a bit of a convoluted mess and it just didn't match the quality of, of the game. I've not read the books, obviously. And I I, <clears throat> I do think I agree with other speculation that it is because of creative differences. There was an interview that's come out recently where someone, one of the writers of The Witcher, have said that other writers on The Witcher mocked the source material these are the people making the Witcher series. They're mocking the books and the games. Cavill has made comments where he suggested that he wanted them to be close to the source material. And there was there's apparently moments where he's he's had the book in his hand on set and he's showed them lines from the book and said, can I say this? Or he's explained to them, I think we should do this this way because in the book it's, you know, it's like this. Look, here's the page. And he can apparently tell you like the page that a quote is from off the top of his head. But then by all accounts, the the series by series two, it's nothing like the books at all. And true fans, true witch fans really, really don't like it, apparently. So I think the signs are there that yeah, Henry Cavill has gone, look, I really liked this. I wanted to do it properly, and you're not doing it properly. So peace out. I'm taking <laughs> that DC money. Yeah. Do you have any real news? Um, a weird piece that I learned this week. So Dharma, the TV series that I made an apology for, for sticking up for and saying it respected the victims, and then doubled down on that and said, no, it does actually, and everyone disagrees. Um, it's been renewed for another two seasons, which I'm caught in a weird limbo land that I might have referred to in a previous episode where... I fell asleep. That might reoccur in this episode as a problem point. My partner watched the rest. She said, catch up. It turned out I watched the episode that we both watched together beforehand and we still haven't watched the end episode. So I've not finished it, but I don't know how they possibly get another two seasons out of Dharma 
it's it's very strange. It's very strange. It, it seems that the 3.7 billion minutes watched of this program has influenced the decision to renew it for another two seasons, which I imagine is just him waiting on death row. Yeah. Well, does does the first season cover all of his, his killings? That's the other avenue that they could go down. So they, they do cover a lot of them, but I don't think all. Right. But as far as I've seen, which is the penultimate episode, it is he's incarcerated, he's had his trial, there can't be much left. So I, right. I'm I'm confused. Uh, people are kicking off. They're not happy. They're, They're not, not happy. happy. I mean, not happy because it's it, it's because it exploits the story, exploits the victims even more. Yeah, I mean the the, the main complaint, which I'll quote from the August man. <clears throat> don't know what this news source is. Dharma was criticised for its romanticization of the infamous criminal, as well as its insensitivity towards victims' families. So right, and Netflix is saying we're on to a winner here. We've let's... pissed everyone off. Everyone's talking about it. Let's do it more. Let's do even more. Let's try it out even more. Like Tiger King, where they did a second season, but then everyone was like, "What? What is happening in this? What's the point of this?" It sounds a bit like the Dropout, the Elizabeth Holmes series with um, Amanda Seyfried. That covers the. It doesn't cover every single thing that happens. It covers the main events and gets up to the end of the company, mm. and that's the end of the story. Now, if they did, if they did a second series of that, it would just it would it would have to be her trial, and there wouldn't be much point of that because the story's done. And this sounds a bit like what they've done with Dharma, where they've told the story, but then they're going to say, right, let's yeah, let's just have him in prison, I guess. Do a do a mind hunter type thing, but with Dharma. <clears throat> I mean, it could be that, or they could go down the route of going, oh, actually, he went to day camp for six months in the period of 1977. Let's cover that. Dharma at day camp. Yeah. Season yeah. two. A prequel. So that would be a prequel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or you could just have a, you, you could just take any minor character from the series and then make a 12 episode very, very slow-paced program about them and that's made up of three episode arcs. Yeah, you could do or, or you really, really cash in on all the controversy around it and say, let's do a cooking show for season three. No, right, no. We need we need to move on. Cannibalism is not funny. No. In review? Yes. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Barbarian. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. What are we supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood. 
but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch. A woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems. Daniel, what did you think of Barbarian? I would have paid for a cleaner, to be honest, before they even set foot inside the house because it looked absolutely manky. No. Um, so, yeah, this is... Um, do you know what? Behind the scenes, we've recorded this whole thing and now we're doing it again because I failed to press record. Let's just be honest. Um, so, yeah, second episode in a row, a horror film for a main review, and it had a really small budget, and it's gone on to make mega bucks. Well done, you, whoever you are. I forget his name. Who directed it. This was made for $4.5 and it's currently grossed $44 million. That is not too bad at all. Now... I'd heard a lot about this film beforehand, various podcasts and articles, just saying don't don't listen to anything that anybody says. The less you know the better, just go in blind. Please don't listen to anything. And I feel like that kind of skyrocketed my expectations for this film because it was like it's completely out of the realms of what you would expect. And just avoid it at all costs. So I did. I did. And then I finally watched it. And I just feel so underwhelmed by this. And I, I have a lot of circumstances around this. Like I was tired. I just wasn't probably in the right mindset for it. And I fell asleep during the film um, for quite significant segments of it. And I don't know how long that was. So I feel completely ill-equipped to say it's not a good film. But for me... And my expectations, even though I fell asleep, it really didn't meet them. I just, I just thought, why have I fallen asleep? There's got to be something wrong with this film, or it's not at the level that I thought it would be. Otherwise, it would have sustained my attention. I don't think it's bad. It definitely has some moments which I think are worth watching. And it is one of the more interesting horror films that you will probably see this year. But I think I just held it on a pedestal, which it didn't quite meet. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't watch enough of it to really say. But, James, what did you think? What did I think? I agree that it's truly a film that can't be discussed without giving too much away. But I'll do what I can. I'd seen the, I hadn't seen as much hype as you, so maybe that affected my experience of it, which was positive. Still, though, not the most original horror film. I've ever seen, not the most shocking or scary. It's mostly very good in its execution of good ideas, unlike Halloween Ends. Which the we plot, both recommended. Which we both recommended. Did we? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Halloween Ends. I, I watched um 
I had my thoughts on it, but I held back on being too positive. But then I watched a Red Letter Media review, and they were positive. They took everything that I said, mm. but they didn't hold back on being on being very very positive about it. All right. Okay. I just thought, oh, I'm, so I'm I'm not I'm not a complete idiot. Like I did. They picked up on similar things. Anyway, barbarian. So this this woman goes into an Airbnb, but surprised that someone's already there. And then surprised too, things get really, really weird. And then there's a sharp turn, a sharp turn in the plot, so drastic that it hooked me completely into the rest of the film. For the whole second act, I was thinking, now what? What what is going to happen now that you've gone and done this? And as a horror film, it's graphic and disturbing when needed. So for a horror film, that's a, that's a tick. That's good. And it's funny at times, which makes it even more enjoyable. It's similar to X and Bodies, 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 two other horror films watched recently. Why? It's self-aware. It's got some comedy. It's of our time. And it takes a lot of time to be more than just a horror film. It does other stuff that makes you think, hmm, okay, do you have some other other ideas to think about? I liked the cast, Georgina Campbell and Justin Long, the two main characters. They were good. I enjoyed it. Daniel, would you recommend Barbarian? After reading Wikipedia and knowing what subtext I missed, I don't think I can say, to be honest. I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not qualified. So I would say I don't know. James, you? I would recommend Barbarian, yes. Although caveat to everything that I've just said, more ambitious and interesting than your standard horror fur. So, there you go. Spoilers? Yes, let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Right, right. Spoilers. So, Tess arrives at the Airbnb. Keith is already there. Oh, well, this isn't going to go very well. And there's there's... All the signs are there that, that Keith is, is... You just think Keith's going to do something weird here. So Tess and Keith discover a subterranean tunnel, a basement room. There's there's a blanket there and a TV. What's going on? This is weird. Then Keith is brutally murdered by some deformed, naked woman who comes out of the door, the, the, the darkness. Keith, turns out he was, he, was, he, was, oh, he was fine. He was an okay guy. It wasn't a murderous prick. Cut. Cut to shiny coastal scene of Justin Long, AJ, driving in his convertible, singing, being really happy. What? What <laughs> is going on here? He gets a phone. He's a sitcom actor. He gets a phone call about uh, rape allegations made by a call star. His life, in, within about like 10 minutes of screen time, his life just falls apart completely. He loses his job in the sitcom. He loses his finance manager. He wants to sell his assets to pay for legal costs. And it turns out that he owns the house that we'd seen earlier on. So AJ visits the house, discovers the hidden tunnel, and the woman attacks him as well. And then AJ and Tessa work together to escape. Ending chair scene, AJ throws Tessa off a tower, a water tower. The barbarian mother jumps after Tess to try and save her with a motherly instinct, succeeds in saving her. Mother 
crushes AJ's head in her hands, but then Tess shoots the mother in the head and kills her and then walks off, cut to credits, and then Be My Baby, the song, comes on. I'm skipping over some details, but that's what happens in this film. I feel like I've relived it, because like I said, I, I wasn't asleep for the ending part of what you've just described, but uh, yeah, got a suitable refresher. Um, props first, Bill Skarsgård, who I believe, I'm pretty confident in saying this, he was it, he was the character of it in the Stephen yep. King adaptation. So he is always, there was another Stephen King adaptation called Castle Rock TV series. Very good, at least the first two seasons. He's in those, and he's always painted as the villain. So a, a really nice misdirect here, where I was like, even when Tess is led into the basement, and then he comes home, and she's like, oh, I found this. And he goes down, and then she was like, oh, he's been caught. I need to go after him. I was like, he's in on it. He is in on it, because he's Bill Skarsgård, and he's always the evil thing in everything. He wasn't. It's fine. I really like that, because completely subverted my expectations. Nice. Liked it. Go on. The thing about the the red flags and Bill Skarsgård being a weirdo, I'm just looking at the um, Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth was in this film. No, she wasn't. Who was she? Don't tell me she was the old woman. <laughs> she was Melissa, whoever that is. Yeah, don't know who that is. Right, okay, that's weird. Um, anyway, in the production notes on Wikipedia, it says that Zach... Crager, the writer and director, he was inspired by the non-fiction book, The Gift of Fear. I have read that book. Oh, nice. And Finally. The Gift of Fear, the Gift of Fear is a book about uh, how everyone should learn to trust the inherent gift of their gut instinct. That learn, learn to recognise the warning signs and precursors to violence to, to protect yourself. Um, but listen, to the, listen to the survival signals that your body is giving off. And why haven't Zach, you quit this podcast? What Zach Kreger did is he wanted to he wanted to do a film about women trusting their intuition and not ignoring subconscious red flags. And he wrote a scene that was all as, as many red flags as possible in one scene, which is the Airbnb scene. But then it flips it on its head and it turns out he's okay. So all the like you say, all the signs point to this guy being bad. And Tess should listen to the gift of fear, but then it makes you feel bad for judging this guy. Mm. And I thought that was very effective that it makes you feel bad for judging him. And he, he was just, he, and then he just, he gets his head smashed into a rock and he, and he dies. Then when Justin Long turns up, I was thinking, right, well, I'm not, I won't judge him either because I've been, I've been burned once before. And then he gets the allegation on the phone, and you think, "Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll see." I'm not going to judge. And then there are signs that he's not great as a person. And then he goes out for a drink with his friend, and he basically admits that yes, he did do it. And he's either he's like either a horrible person, or at the very least, he's just a complete idiot. So it makes you. It, it it messes with your head in that way where you think, oh, actually no, he, that that guy that you, that you did judge was okay. The, then I thought, oh, I won't judge him. No, I should have judged him. He's 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 awful. He's a really bad person. Um, so that was good. 
And then the end, when it gets to the end, so all that was going on, there's other stuff that I want to talk about that I was thinking about. But then when it gets to the end and they leave the house and they get chased by the woman and she term, she becomes like has superhuman strength that can rip people's arms off and survive a fall off a tower. That's when it saw it didn't fall apart, but it just it just it wobbled a little bit when it turned into a more straightforward monster monster chase thing. Yeah, I think I think it ruins the hard work that they've done beforehand because there is even hearing you say that like I, I knew that i'd failed to grasp something because of the fact that i'd missed quite a bit of the film <laughs> but even you calling out the bill skarsgård character and justin longer is a weird juxtaposition of oh you've had this time with this character and you've inherently like not trusted him at all and you were proved wrong and then Justin Long, you want to like him. You want to like him. And then ultimately at the end, because he he just throws Tess to the wolves, so to speak, because he just throws her off the end of whatever they stood on. It's 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 good. It's clever how they play around with that concept and make you feel constantly on edge as to who and who you should not trust. But I don't feel like it stuck the landing all in all in terms of that character and the old woman and what she represents and how she came to be is just feels a bit messy. I don't think they really, I don't know what I'm saying now, James, to be honest. Okay. (laughs) You are making sense though. It makes sense. You're doing well considering you did not actually watch half of it. I'm still trying to think who, like who Kate Bosworth was in this film. Is that a mistake on Wikipedia? I genuinely feel like she is one of the people who was at the building where, Tess interviewed. She went for an I feel interview. feel like it was that small of a character because yeah. I do yeah. not remember her. Unless she is an old woman. She's not old woman. Old woman is played by Matthew Patrick Davis. Oh, right. Okay. Um, right. Prosthetic so tits. I watched this and then the next day, or maybe the same day, I walked to the dentist. And as I was walking to the dentist, it gave me time to just just think about about this film, and so just bear with me while I just give you my stream of consciousness that I wrote down as I was walking the dentist. So here we go. This is why I think there's more going on in this film. So who is the barbarian really in this film? There's a nature versus nurture thing going on here. The mother is a product of her environment. She's raised to do one thing which is raised these in, in product, products of incest, these children. And that's reinforced by the media that she's shown. You see a lot that she's shown a video about breastfeeding. Is she really to blame? There's no answer to that. The, the AJ, played by Justin Long, this, this bad guy, he is maybe a product of his environment as well. He's, he's got entitlement and privilege, and he expects access to all these things, and you can't believe it when it all falls apart. There's three significant scenes with his character. Number one, at the club, when he's talking to his friend, he but he explains, like, yes, he did, you know, and he says that she said no, but then I was like, oh, come on, and she was like, no, but whatever, and then, you know, you know, you, you know. he basically admits it, and he's just, in that moment, that's that's the point where you realize, oh, this is uh, off. This is not a good guy, actually. Scene number two: when he um, is 
discovers the basement and he looks upon the internet about whether basement rooms count towards square footage because more square footage means more value for the home. And you see him search for it and, it, and he says, he sees a result that says it doesn't count. But then he sees another result that says it doesn't usually count. And he goes, oh, it doesn't usually count. Right, okay, so, so it does count. And he's, he's twisting the reality in his own way. Then later on, when he throws Tess off the tower to save himself, when she lives and he goes down to find her, he tries to talk his way, he tries to rationalise it in the same way that he was trying to rationalise his earlier actions before the film, saying, oh, well, you know, I was... I didn't have a choice, and I was trying to save you, uh, but and I couldn't, and I couldn't do it. So let's, let's just forgive me. Just just forget about it. Just forget about it. So he's selfish, and he thinks about himself, and only thinks about what he can get. So he he's got a series of bad actions as well. So maybe he's the barbarian. He's more selfish, and he's he's done more damage to people. He doesn't actually kill anyone, but but still. But then the mother, she has positive qualities. She's protective, and she's giving. And she's loyal and she she's at least consistent in her behavior, which kills people. So she's a barbarian as well. So that's my stream of consciousness that I had while I was walking down the canal to the dentist, that there's, there's more going on and there's more to think about. I, I think you've, you've massively reinforced the fact that I did not give this film its due attention and I'm ashamed and I will be rewatching it. Because I think I think you're right. Now that I now that I think it over, it is multi-layered, and I completely. I mean, it wasn't that I disregarded it. I was knackered. I fell asleep. Whatever. Um, I've I failed this podcast. I will not do it again. But I withdraw my. Did I recommend it or not? I don't even know. I you said I don't have. I think you said you're not qualified to give any. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. Please, I implore you, listen to James because he has an insightful opinion on this. He's seen it. He's seen it all. <laughs> He's absorbed it all. I have not. Um, and I've failed you all. So I will do I will do better next week. Yeah, I've got even more. I've just scrolled down. I've, I've got another small paragraph. No, no, that's fine. Please is... fill us in. This is what happens when you walk to some. You, if you just walk somewhere with no headphones in, you get to think about things. Um, this is going even further. This is maybe stretching it, but there's. I think there was another point about ownership and property. So, AJ has his possessions taken away. He slowly like, loses all his his riches very quickly, and the mother she wants to own. Her children, obviously, she keeps them in cages. The the old man that we've not talked about, the incestuous like man who is breeding these women, he like owns slaves basically. And AJ, he owns the house, but he rents it out. But then the homeless guy who's running around, he's saying, "Oh, you own it, but it's not yours," or something like that, some line like that about how you don't live there. There's a lot. There's so, there's something else there as well. If every I, line is, if you're going to take every line as being significant yeah. in a, in a well written film, I think there's something else going on there. Um, there's, there's there's stuff to unpack. I think it is is it is a good film. I'm going to watch it again. I'm definitely going to watch it again. It got better the more that I thought about it. Well, I've not thought about it a lot. I just thought about it that one time when I was walking to the dentist. But I did I did, I did think there's something going on here. 
And it, it does make sense. And obviously my journey with it is different than many other people's would be, but it doesn't make sense to me for somebody to rave or not somebody, quite a lot of people to rave about this film and me just go, what? Don't get it. I've yeah. obviously missed something. And that is what has happened here. So I will rectify that in due course. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at in the hours podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you wish to listen on. And yeah, James, if you hmm, I had a question. If you were raising an incestuous family, yeah, what location would you pick? It'd have to be basement. Basement is the most reliable, most reliable one, and you would learn a, a lot about about DIY. Other, another, another, feeling that like secluded, secluded, completely secluded farm would be the best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about you? Me, um, yeah. Under, well, I said you said basement. I'm going to say underground. I would just carve out somewhere in the middle of. I don't know sewer. That no one's going to go down to the sewer. Um, just make like a, a weird cage that I'd put them all in. We're not. Are we going to have to do Black Panther next week? Do we? I mean, yeah. No, yeah. Is that what we're doing? Probably. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.